Hey there, thanks for joining us here at Compass Church, where we are making God accessible to everyone. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, head over to our website, compassbn.com. We hope this inspires you and gives you practical ways to live out your faith. Enjoy the message. Well, hey, thank you again for joining me. I am Chris. I'm the pastor at Compass, and it's great to see you here today. And uh, there are things that we take at face value as being right and wrong, things that are okay and that aren't. Um, things like don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. But like an iceberg, sometimes there's a lot more beneath the surface of right and wrong than I think we realize, especially when it comes to Jesus and what he taught. So last week we started with the new message series where we are exploring one of the most difficult and challenging sections of Jesus's teaching uh, that I think honestly he ever gave. And so if you missed last week, it really is worth getting caught up on our website or podcast. You should check that out just wherever you're watching this right now. But we, last week we talked about how with just a few statements, Jesus set himself up as the lens through which we look at all of the Bible. I mean, check out what he said in Matthew 5, 17. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writing of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Okay, so this is a, a window into how Jesus saw himself and to Jesus, what he thought about his role in the world. And Jesus believed that he fulfilled the purpose of the Jewish scriptures, uh, what we would call the religious rules of the Old Testament. Now, this is important for us to grasp because as because one of the biggest questions I think that we have as religious people, and I, you probably have asked yourself this too, it's this, what rules am I supposed to follow, right? I mean, I wanna know exactly where my boundary lines are so I can make sure that I'm doing the right things and that I'm not doing the wrong things. And these are exactly the kind of barriers that the Jewish law set up. But Jesus didn't just fulfill the law, Jesus redefined it. Matthew 22, 37, we talked about this last week. Jesus says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And this is the kicker. He says this, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So in Jesus, all of these old facets of rules-based religion are gone now. And in its place, Jesus set up a new law, a law of Jesus, love God and love your neighbor. So according to him, literally all of the Old Testament law is covered if we just love God and love other people. But this is complicated by the fact that it feels a little broad, right? I mean, what does that even mean? What does it look like? Nobody wants to get this wrong. So it feels like we should have maybe a little bit more specific information on how this plays out. And if that's true, I have some good news for you because Jesus didn't just come and blow up the rules of religion. He goes on to give us some examples of how we are to live under his new law. And over the next several weeks, we're gonna dig into what he shows us. So we see more than the tip of the iceberg when it comes to living our lives the way that God would have us live. And all of this starts in Matthew 5, verse 21. Jesus goes on and he says this, You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. 
So have you ever read one of those uh, BuzzFeed lists that shows like the weird way people eat and use food or, you know, whatever. I mean, for example, uh, this is one of the things I found. Most people use bananas for eating. But some people say that if you have really cracked and dry feet, you can mash up bananas and cover them in it, and it's supposed to help your feet. Who knew? Who's the first person to figure that out, too? And like vodka. Vodka is for mixing in cocktails. But did you know that if you have really smelly feet, that rubbing your feet in vodka will take care of your foot smell? I mean, you've also heard it said that peanut butter goes best with jelly, but there are some people who say that a peanut butter and pickle sandwich is the bomb. Now, I haven't tried it. I don't know if I'm gonna, but somebody out there is taking an authoritative position that the way we've been using these things is not the best way. And Jesus is doing the exact same thing here. You have heard, you have heard it in the law. You've heard it from the religious teachers and the Pharisees. Maybe you've even heard it from your parents. But I say, so now before we even get into the real meat of what Jesus is saying here, it's really important for us to pause here and understand that he is claiming the authority to interpret and define how the Jewish law and the rules of religion are supposed to be lived out. Now, this is like the equivalent. Imagine if we had a guest speaker come, come to Compass and, and he was like, you know, you've heard Chris say that this is how you serve God, but I'm telling you, He's wrong. He straight up missed it. That's what Jesus' audience would hear, particularly the religious leaders and teachers in his audience. And what we're going to see is, is Jesus is giving us a new template through which to interpret and understand what it is that God wants from us. He says, he continues on, Matthew 5, 21 through 22. He says, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. This is obvious. We know this. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. Now, I think we can all agree that murder is wrong. Like we don't even need that to be one of the 10 commandments to instinctively know that it's just something that you don't do. But apparently, according to Jesus, that's not strong enough. See, he says that if you're angry with someone, you're subject to the same judgment as if you'd killed them. I mean, did you ever get angry with somebody else? I mean, did you ever call someone an idiot? Like maybe literally every time you've driven in your car? Have you ever cursed someone out or yelled at them in anger or, you know, given them a piece of your mind? If that's you, Jesus says that you are in danger of the fires of hell. So let's be real for a second. How can this be true? I mean, how could it possibly be true that to God, my expression of anger toward another person is equal to murder? I mean, that doesn't even make sense. And, and if it is true, what does it mean for me? Because, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself, I've been angry at people, like a lot. So I think our religious default setting, after hearing something like this, a really difficult statement, is to respond in one of two ways. The first way is to just ignore it and pretend like this one thing that Jesus said isn't real. You know, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. I can't hear you, Jesus. I, I missed that. What, huh? And then the second reaction, I think, is that 
we have to something like this is to feel really guilty. I mean, I've tried really hard to be good and I just keep coming up short. I already feel like I'm not good enough and now Jesus is pointing out that I'm even worse than I thought. This response, I think it comes from a belief that deep down that what God really wants for us is to just be less bad, right? Like I start off so bad and his purpose in our life is just to clean out all of that yucky gunk that makes us so super gross so that he can just stand being around us. And I wanna make a case that both of those responses, to ignore it or to feel guilty and shamed, are unhelpful and unnecessary. You don't have to ignore Jesus because what he says is too hard. And you don't have to be weighted down with guilt and shame because even though you try, you can't meet Jesus' standard. I think that Jesus, in equating anger to murder, and in doing the same over other issues that we're gonna be talking about over the next few weeks, I think that Jesus is giving us a new specific target to shoot for and a new way of thinking about right and wrong. Okay, so follow me here. It's been a lot of setup, but follow me. Jesus presented the idea that if you're angry with someone, if you call them an idiot or you curse them, that you are subject to the same judgment as murder. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's a big, heavy, and scary statement. But look at what Jesus says next in verse 23. He says, so, if that's you, if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person and then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So here in the center of this passage is the response that Jesus wants us to have to anger in our lives and what I think is the key to unlocking the kingdom ethic that he wants us to live by. And it's found in the statement, go and be reconciled to that person. So, I mean, check this out. Whenever someone was going to deal with or seek forgiveness for the sin in their lives in Jesus's day, they would have to go to the temple in Jerusalem so that they could make a sacrifice at the altar in order to atone for their sin. That was the process that everyone had to go through in order to make things right with God. Now, assuming that religious Jews took Jesus's teachings on anger to heart, then the right way for them to deal with it would have been sacrifice. But that's not what Jesus asks for. In fact, Jesus says that if you're at the altar and you realize someone has something against you, stop sacrificing. Stop what you're doing immediately. And instead, go and be reconciled to that person. That means this. Jesus isn't looking for guilt and atonement for the sin of anger. He's looking for reconciliation to the person you're angry with or who's angry with you. It could go either way because what Jesus wants to accomplish in our lives ultimately is right relationship with other people. It's for us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And Jesus drives this point home when he says this because he would have been speaking to an audience in Galilee, okay? That's where he would have been teaching. Galilee is about a two-day trip away from the temple in Jerusalem, which coincidentally is about as long as it takes for us to drive to Disney World. Now imagine Jesus saying this. Imagine Jesus saying, if you are about to enter the magic kingdom and you remember that someone has something against you, I want you to get in the van and drive home and be reconciled to that person. Then you can come back and you can enjoy the happiest place on earth. I mean, that's crazy, 
But that's what Jesus's audience would have heard. And honestly, it's, it's what he meant. That's how important it is to him that his followers live reconciled and in right relationship with other people. He would ask them to stop doing religious activity and travel to to make reconciliation matter. And then he says this. He says, when you are on your way to court with an adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you'll be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you've paid the last penny. You see, in all of this, Jesus assumes that we're going to live in a world in which things would become adversarial between us and other people, even between neighbors and friends and family. It's the world we live in. Conflict will happen. But to him, Jesus' followers will not be people who sit in that. Citizens of his kingdom will settle differences quickly. They will work to be reconciled to each other. They will prioritize the love of their neighbor over obedience to religious rules. And it means this. It means that Jesus' religious rules are about right relationship and reconciliation. Jesus fulfilled the law. He redefined the law. And then here he... He clarified the purpose of the law. You see, this new law of Christ, to love God and to love our neighbors, is not about avoiding sin. It's not about avoiding sin anymore. It's about lifting others up. It's not about being good, but about being good to others. Look at how the Apostle Paul describes it in Ephesians chapter 4. He says this, he says, So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now, I think it would be super easy to look at this verse and see all of the things that we aren't supposed to do. But that's not it. You see, Paul uses those things and he lays out those things to show in contrast what we are supposed to do, what we are supposed to be about. I mean, check this out. The first thing he says is is don't lie. And instead, tell your neighbors the truth. Takes the negative and then he says, this is what you're supposed to do. He he says, don't steal, but, but don't hang out and try not to sin. He says, instead, work so that you can give generously to others in need. He says, don't use abusive language. Instead, encourage others with your words. Encouraging is the goal. And then he says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Right? Get rid of the evil behavior, but not because you're bad. Because instead, I want you to be kind to each other. I want you to be tenderhearted. I want you to forgive one another. Maybe you need to stop carrying guilt and shame because you feel bad. Maybe you need to stop focusing your energy on not being bad and instead start focusing on the good of others, on being reconciled and in right relationship. 
Because, because being in right relationship and reconciled to other people is more important than what you give, more important than what you sacrifice in worship to God. And, and this is so freeing because Jesus isn't trying to beat you up for not meeting an impossible standard. He's using the standard to help us see what really matters to him. And that's our love for our neighbor and how it's expressed. And this is really the overarching message of this series. This makes up the majority of the icebergs that are underwater that we can't see. And, and seeing everything that Jesus taught and commanded through the lenses of loving your neighbor is exactly how Jesus wants you to see it. So today, as it relates to anger, just ask yourself this. Does my anger towards others outweigh my desire to have reconciliation? I mean, do I wanna be right more than I want to be made right with them? Have I written somebody off in anger? And then ask this, am I more comfortable in my anger than I am in seeking reconciliation? Maybe your anger has become a safe place to hang out in. Maybe you're more comfortable in it. And then finally, ask yourself this, who do I need to be reconciled with? As you ask yourself these questions, I hope this, I hope that as we listen to Jesus's teachings and this crazy outlandish statement that he makes, that anger will be met with the same judgment as murder, that what Jesus is really doing, that what he's really saying and what he's really pointing us to is the fact that he wants us to not not be angry, but that he wants us to be reconciled. That right relationships and reconciliation with other people are of the utmost importance to him. And that loving our neighbor as ourself ultimately is the template by which he wants us to make every decision in our lives. It's the template through which he wants us to evaluate every choice, everything that we do. I have been walking this road personally myself right now. And I can tell you that when you, when you take the Jesus view of scripture and the Jesus view of the world, the guilt, the shame, the judgment that you've held for other people, all of these things fall away so quickly. And what he does in the life of a person who is free in his love and free to love is one of the most powerful and wonderful things. One of the most powerful and wonderful experiences that you could ever possibly imagine. Jesus wants you to walk and live in freedom. And it comes when we love our neighbors ourselves. It comes when we prioritize, not not being angry, but when we prioritize being reconciled to those in whom our relationship is at risk. I hope you can apply this this week. I hope you can ask yourself these questions. And I hope that as you do, that you'll start to see reconciliation and healing happen in your relationship, that you'll feel some guilt and shame fall away from yourself, and that God will move in a powerful way in your life as he's done in mine. I can't wait to see you next week as we keep talking about some pretty scary and dangerous icebergs in our lives that Jesus wants to point out to us. I'll see you then. Thanks again for joining us today. If you want to learn more about us as a church, get connected, need prayer, or anything else at all, head over to our website, compassbn.com.